good. Hey, welcome to Cottage Hill. Yeah, we're really, really, really glad you're here. I'm really glad to be able to be here. So, a couple of things. Uh, boy, did the psalmist, did it ever ring more deeply with us when he says in Psalm 122, you know, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Because our feet have been standing within your gates, Jerusalem. You know, for, to finally be able to hear that we can be here. Really glad you're here. We're, we're glad for those of you who are worshiping at home. Hope you feel as, as welcomed and as present as we do. Hey, a couple of, a couple of things for you. Uh, if you cough, if you would just go out in the hallway and take care of that. You know, we know it might be a tickle, it might be allergies, or, you know, it might be something beyond that. So if you would just do that for us. Um, when our service ends, uh, we, we just ask you to go out one of the exits. We're going to have this door will be open, the chapel doors. Actually, we, we want to open all of those. And this door, we've got doors open just for, to help us with airflow. But we'd, we'd encourage you to do your fellowshipping outside, just where the air is better for us. So, and, and we're super excited to be together in a moment when our, when our country is anything but together. So let's stand together and just pray over us, over this country. God, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus who has brought peace between us and you Amen. and who can bring peace to any relationship. And so we just cry out to you. We cry out to you for this service and we pray that we might hear from you, Lord. We pray that you might sense how, just how deeply excited we are to be in your presence again together and to be able to worship you in a, in a whole new weird way, but heart, hearts present to worship you. And so receive that. And Holy Spirit, use these songs to build our faith and just to communicate to the Father our love and, and devotion to him. We pray, God, that you would do something ac across this land that only you can do. You just, it's hard to believe that after so many years, we are wrestling with the same issues. And it's the heart of man. And so, God, we're just crying out to you who change hearts. I mean, that's what you promised was, that the new covenant would be, give you a new heart. So would you just allow there to be a movement across our land that only you can bring? Certainly give our political leaders wisdom that's beyond them and courage that's beyond them and insight. We pray for community leaders, oh God, the men, of, men and women of influence, Amen. that you would use Amen, them Jesus. to be your voice. But we realize it's going to be you that changes hearts and that brings peace. And so we cry out to you. We know you're going to do that in a large way through your people. So we just pray for brothers and sisters across the land. We pray for, for our brothers and sisters and the churches in the Minneapolis area, God. Let them be, let them be just beacons and and voices of peace and, and acceptance and love. God, bring good out of this. That's something you've done with all of our lives. We bring you these situations we've gotten ourselves into and you turn them for good. So we're praying you would do that again. But for this moment, I'm so glad we're with you and we're with each other. Pray you do something amazing in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So worship, whether you stand or sit, you know, I'd almost encourage you not to sing because we don't want you to carbon monoxide yourself into hyperventilating, but whatever you want to do in this. So glad to have the team back. Yeah, and if you see people in yellow, the, there have been seven people who've been part of just our reentry team. Just so grateful for them and all they've done and planned. Bru uh, yeah, Bruce and Steve. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's been so long. Yeah, Steve, Steve and Bruce and Cindy B and Cindy K., 
and Heather and Annie and Chris, help me. Yeah, Chris, is that it? Did I hit seven? There are two trustees, syndicate, yeah, two guys who do that, do that. Good. Hey, I just appreciate their help, and I hope you'll just appreciate them as, as you came in and as you leave just for making this possible. So let's worship.
God, that we would just lay our lives down for you, God, every single day. Lord, you have so many plans for us, God. But in order to walk in your will, we need to lay our will down. We need to lay ourselves down at the foot of the cross, Lord. Help us to do that today, God. In your name we pray.
Lord, we really do just worship you for how great you are. You are so, so good. There is nobody like you. Amen. God, there is nothing like you as good and as, as merciful, how great you are, God. So we just, we praise you and we worship you, Lord. We look forward to learning more about you through your word, more of who you are. Lord, teach us how to be more like you, especially in this time of chaos and craziness in our world right now. So we just praise you. going to have you look at uh, John chapter 15, John 15. You're as old as I am, you think you've seen everything, and then God just shows you here's something else you've never seen. You know, you you hear like I do, you hear you watch the you watch the media, you hear things on TV, and uh, you hear you hear the words stay safe, stay healthy, stay at home, over and over again. And and through all this, um, we understand that. The intent is, is, is to be right with trying to guide people in the right way. And yet, those words that people are taking in, um, there's, there's, no, there's no power in that to really get you through what we're in the middle of. It's human wisdom. It's, it's nice, nice sayings. But there's, there's going to be many casualties through all of this. People, um, whether you're a believer or a non-believer, there's going to be casualties. And here we are in the midst of it, and here we are as believers. So I want to put up a verse here in uh, 2, Corinthians, 2 Timothy 3. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing of whom you have learned them. And I was thinking of this word, continue. How do I continue on. And I, in my mind, I'm thinking continue is moving forward. And yet, when you look up this word in the Greek, it's the word abide. A-B-I-D-E. It means to stay in place and to stay in that place where God wants you to be. This is how we make it through a situation like this. And so it's not some type of magic formula, how, you know, my thinking and pushing through, and it talks about enduring. And so the times that we're in, there's, there's, your emotions can rule you, and you'll be, attempt, you'll be tempted to quit in your mind that this, I've had enough of this, and yet God has allowed this in our lives for his reasons and his purposes. Amen? Amen. And so it's either we take advantage of those opportunities or we fight and kick against it. And I know everybody has different circumstances, financially, medically, physically. There's all kinds of things going on. But in the midst of it, God has allowed this to happen for his purposes. And we don't want to waste the opportunity. And so um, what gets us through is the sustaining power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
When we're a believer, the power of God is in us and will get us through what we need to get through if we continue equals abide in him. We need to abide in him. So I want to have you turn to John, if you're not there, John 15. And the first thing Jesus teaches here is, in verse 4, he says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abides in the vine, no more can you except, no more can you, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, and I, him, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. We cannot bear fruit unless we abide in him continually being in the presence of God. And God is looking for fruit in our lives, even in the midst of this situation. He wants to bring forth fruit. And so we see here that um, we need to be in the presence of God, meaning we're in his word, we're seeking him, we're praying. Now that we can come together in fellowship, we're in that place where the presence of God is strengthened in us and so that we can abide in that place. It doesn't mean abiding, just sit back and do nothing. It means we're, we're pushing into him. We're coming close to him, closer than you ever have maybe in this situation. And so what does it say here in verse 5 at the end? For without me, we can do nothing. Our natural strength is going to fail us in this. Our natural strength is not going to take us to where God wants us to go. You can understand this, but do you really believe this? That without him you can do nothing? I, I've come to that place where I believe that. I hope you're at the place where you're like, oh, some, for some of us it's 50-50. Well, it's part me, it's part God. To me it's like all God and cooperate with him and what he wants to do. And so without me you can do nothing. And then we go in verse 7, it says, And if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. When we abide in him, we experience, it says here, the power of prayer. This is where we experience the power of prayer. We see prayer answered. We see things happen because we're abiding in him. The power of prayer. And on a side note to that, if you continue in my words, then you are my disciples indeed. It's the same word, continuing, abiding. It's not complicated. It's not sophisticated. It's not for the highly intellectual. It's simple. We just abide in him, and we wait on him, and we trust in him. And when he tells us to move, we move. When he tells us to stop, we stop. And so um, if you follow that through, in his presence, we meditate on his word, and we then pray according to his word, and when we're praying according to his word, it's according to his will. Amen. You want to pray according to his will? Pray according to his word and what he's saying. And you can take that and you can believe that God will answer that and maybe not be in your timing, but it will be when he wants to answer it. So there's power in prayer when we abide in him. And then the, uh, the last thing is verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. So again, by abiding, we bear fruit. And why do we want to bear fruit? Because that glorifies God. Fruit in our life glorifies him. Some people think, well, what's the difference? Some person was telling me, I don't care. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven, and you know, I'm not doing anything. Maybe I'll be a janitor in heaven. That was their 
their thinking. And it's just like, he wants fruit in your life to glorify him, not to glorify yourself. So it's our responsibility to continue and abide. And we can choose to be in his presence. In this time, you can choose to be in his presence. Or you can choose not to be in his presence. That'll be your choice. And then the fruit will either be there or will not be there. I just want to close with this verse in 1 John 2.28. And now, little children, abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. God loves us. He never will stop loving us. His grace is there for us. He's forgiven us. But when I look at that, there's something to say, I don't want to be ashamed when he comes. There's a reality to that. There's an accountability to that. So, Father, we just pray this morning that we're coming to you. We need you. Without you, we can do nothing. Lord, I just pray for believers and non-believers in this time, the Holy Spirit, that you would draw them to yourself. And they would come to you in a way like they've never come before to know you and their fruit would come out of their lives through this. Oh God, I just pray that we don't see this time as wasted because we have to go through all these hoops and hurdles, but that you have a, you have a purpose for all this and we're going to trust you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
You can be seated. We're gonna, I'm going to take a minute and just acknowledge some people before we start. Those of you who have been declared essential workers and in different places where you know you've been not only you're essential where you had to go to work, but there was a little bit of risk involved to your work. So if you're a healthcare worker, could we have you just stand up just so we could thank you? You're part of our family and just living where God has called you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty broad range. So, yeah. Yeah, and then our, we've been praying for you. Our hearts went out to you who are involved in education because in, it's almost like church in a moment, the way, the way you did your job changed. And so, yeah, if you're involved in, in te- as a teacher or in education, let's just have you stand so we can yeah, acknowledge you guys. Yeah, it's Katie. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, and Katie Kimball got her master's degree while... Well, we were all done, so yeah, so yeah, good. Hey, we are so thankful for you grocery workers that you were there and that, you know, you guarded the toilet paper and everything else for us. Talk about things going from white to gold overnight, you know, so yeah, if you're involved in, in the grocery or, you know, convenience store somewhere where we were going in to get our coffee or our groceries, let's just have you stand, you're kind of out of the way, yeah. I know Lindsay's over at BJ's and Cindy B. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Hey, and those of you who are in city, who are involved in some kind of city service, whether it's public safety or whether it's picking up our garbage so that it didn't sit for 10 weeks or, yeah. Any of you who work in, for the city, I know Victor's in fire, Elliot is the state trooper. Anybody here? Okay. Hey, we just want to thank the people. In yeah. Good. And somebody that I especially appreciate 
and that you appreciated without really knowing that is, our, is our, just our faithful, faithful brother, Dan Alvarez, that Amen. every weekend, yeah, so you want to go that, yeah, yeah, here was our setup the last couple of weeks, yeah, yeah, when we went from iPad to iPhone to camera, Mary posted this one late Saturday night, well, it was 8 o'clock, I think, on his clock. And then this was Wednesday night when Dan and Pete were trying to figure out the whole live stream. Just, you have no idea the headaches that he navigated through and the different times, you know, and then he would be on, you know, he'd be on. Am I allowed to say what you'd be doing Friday afternoon as you're doing this? Okay. <laughs> Might be on some other related business he's involved in as he was helping us <laughs> at the same time. And so, yeah. So just, yeah. Thank you again. We owe you another gift certificate. Yeah. So, yeah. Good. And, and Dan has, has been a help to us. And then our brother Cyprian Droma, who's part of our missions family, has come in the last couple of weeks to record for his thing. Cyprian's actually with us. Yeah. Hey, Cyprian. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, I really appreciated the week you came in and told your story and sang for us. Yeah. Thanks, brother. It's just. I think God just had something in this season for us, for all of our hearts to be connected for what you and you have next. So be, be good things. So hey, I want to talk in just a couple seconds on a few announcements, things we want to make you aware of. Um, we, as I mentioned, we do want you, we want to encourage you to stay and talk to each other. We just want to get you out of the building as quickly as we can, not, not because the building is not safe. Uh, we really appreciated Dave Baker and the and his team coming in and disinfecting the whole place. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but it's just, you know, as I mentioned in that video, if you saw the CES video, the, the reentry team, I appreciated because the approach on the first time we Zoomed together was let's be safe and then take one more step to be safer. So that's kind of our feeling. If you can fellowship outside, that'd just be so good. We got a, we got a beautiful day to do that. So after service, if you just go out, we're not going to be taking offerings. Offering in the service is probably a thing of the past, just with all the realities of, of the new normal. And so you'll see we have offering boxes as you went out. We, you know, we made them in faith, so they're huge. So, yeah. So, yeah, if you want to take advantage of that, or you can always, uh, you can always give electronically through our website or uh, by texting. And, and we can get that information to you. It's just important to keep this going. We have been down over the weeks that we're not meeting, but God is faithful. So, and we're going to, Wednesday night, we'll be in here uh, for prayer service. So, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing you then. We'll also be, we'll also be setting that up on Zoom for you, for, so that those of you who uh, want to stay home, at least for this time being, you can at least watch uh, what's going on. So we plan to do that. And we also plan to continue the Zoom prayer uh, for the time being, the, the morning times in the morning at 6:30, uh, and then the evenings at seven. That's just been something God has used in so many ways, and and answer prayers, yeah, also in so many ways. So we're going to be continuing that, and then for the time being, we're going to continue to reserve spots. This will, you know, as long as we need to socially distance. This is this is about the way we maximize our seating, and so I just want to encourage you. Uh, that beginning on Monday, uh, beginning tomorrow, to go ahead and start reserving. I imagine that the the further away we go, or the further we go, the more people are going to feel comfortable coming to service. So you want to do that early. I know a number of you uh, didn't reserve a seat, and we, we had plenty of space today. 
But you know what? Just, you don't, we don't want you to come Sunday and find out that we're full. So I just encourage you, encourage you to do that. So, great. Hey, I don't want to rub it in, but man, is it good to have that mask off <laughs> and uh, to be able to wear glasses. Are you glasses people with me? Yeah, so thank you. Yeah, I would go without them, but the squinting, yeah, where's my, where's my eyes out some? So, so I want to start just, uh, just with a kind of a backstory that's similar to, to what we're going through about a, this missionary who goes to this new place. No one had brought the gospel there before. He meets with these people. It's a fairly small group of people. He meets, he's only able to be there for a short while before he has to take off and, and leave them. And in the couple of weeks that he was there, he taught them as, as much as he could and invested as much as he could in them and then uh, left. And so time goes by and obviously he's thinking about them and he's wondering, you know, how are they doing? It was a tough situation. It was, it was not a, a place that was welcoming the gospel. It, you know, there were a number of people that were saved and lives that were changed, but there was a huge pushback to that. And so time goes on, and he wonders, how are they doing? How have they made it? How have they done over these weeks that I couldn't be with them, that we couldn't be together? There's some, some parallels to that, huh, for us, for you and I. been all these weeks, you know, I think March 22nd was our last Sunday in this, in this room. They've been all these weeks, and how, how did you do? I mean, when I came in and, and realized we were going to be working at home, I packed all these books in my bag. I thought, it's going to be great. I'm going to be able to get so much reading done. I'm going to get this stuff done. And that was just gone. You know, my, our, my friend Kevin Whitaker from LifePoint uh, started an online group of, of us pastors just to kind of pick each other's brains and share ideas through the COVID season. And, and somebody put on there, one of, the, one of our pastor buddies puts on there, how is it that no services and less people equals more work? And it's just, it, was, it was like that for me, and I'm guessing for some of you. Maybe you had plans coming into this that, okay, i got to work at home, life's slowing down, I'm going to get all of this done, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with this issue in my life, I'm going to spend more time with God, I'm going to pray more, I'm going to read more. How did you do over these 10 weeks? Just like, how did, how did they do? Did they make it through those weeks without him? Did they grow? Did they give up and go back? Where was that? And, and I want to... I want to find out where that was because as much as that can be for us, that's the book of First Thessalonians. Paul was there for three weeks. He gets driven out. He goes on a while and, and he worries about how are they doing because that was a rough situation. In Acts 17, he's driven out of Thessalonica uh, by a mob and by a crowd. And so I want to look at just the very first verse of First Thessalonians, and then in these next weeks, I want to work our way through the book. It just seems to be a book that has a lot of parallels for where we are and, and for where they were at that time. So First Thessalonians 1, I want to read the first chapter because there, there's a thought flow there. We'll come back next week and finish the chapter. But First Thessalonians, uh, yeah, First Thessalonians 1 says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering you before our God and Father, your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. 
and you became imitators of us and the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we don't need to say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he's raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So here's Paul, and he's, he's, there is this sense of how did they do? How did they make it? In fact, later on in this letter, he's going to say to them, you know, we were so worried about you. It wasn't safe for me to go back there, so we sent Timothy to you. And now Timothy's come back with the news of, of how you're doing. So I do, you know, Pastor Ted and I were talking the other day about just with a burden of how have you obsessed these last 10 weeks? Some of you, you might be coming in and thinking this was a great 10 weeks for me. You know, I got a lot of things done you know, a lot of things done in the house, whatever. It was a slowed down time. It seemed like, seemed like maybe heightened anxiety, but slowed down pace. And so maybe in that slowed down pace, you did spend more time with the Lord. Maybe during this, these 10 weeks, he did speak into your life about things that he wanted to deal with, things that he wanted you to put on the table so he could heal or change or grow or direct or, or whatever that might be. And maybe for some of us, this was not a good 10 weeks. It was gone, it's gone, and, and that window just kind of evaporated, and things that you'd hoped to grow in or hoped to deal with just somehow got shelved again. And so how do you, how do you assess that? What do you, what do you speak to yourself, or, or how is God towards you in the midst of that? Because what God wants to do from here is going to really depend on how you handle this moment right now how you interpret how he's looking at you or what his plan is on you, how you, look at, how you interpret right now is going to affect the going forward piece. And so that's why I thought it'd be important just to, to camp down on just verse one for today. I'm not going to move that slowly through the whole book, but we just felt like this sets such a good platform or such a good table for us to go forward on. When he just says to them, you know, here's who we are. This is very much how letters were written in the New Testament day. You just say who the letter's from, who it's to, and some kind of greeting. I was reading one commentary, and it says, that form makes so much more sense than writing at the end of a letter, who's this from? So you get a letter, and you think you've got to go through the other page, you've got to flip it over and say, well, who sent me this? You know, if they don't use their return address or all those other things. The New Testament, who sent it? Paul and, and Silvanus, who we know as Silas and Timothy, are with me. Who's it to? It's to the church of the Thessalonians, who are in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it kind of interesting? Tag that on to who are we? We are Cottage Hill. We are church who are in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who we are. And then he just he gives them this blessing, you know, grace, grace to you and peace. Everything starts with relationship, which is why it's really, it's so good to be, to be back together. It's hard to have relationships at a distance. And so here we are, and, and when Paul writes and when God works, he always starts with relationship. And so that relationship of who he is to them. Hey, and Paul, Silas, Timothy, that's it. This is, the simplest, uh, this is the simplest introduction Paul will have in any of his letters. Only in Thessalonians, in the first and second letter, will he just say his name. In other places, he, he ha- gives himself quite a, quite a description. He's got to do that because there's just some issues there and 
he'll say, I'm, I'm an apostle called by God in some places, just so they know, hey, I didn't do this myself. In fact, I think it's Galatians, Paul will say, Paul, an apostle, not by the will of men, but by the will of God, just so that they know because of the issues that were going on with them. I, I, didn't, I didn't make this up myself. I didn't call into this. The safer you are with someone, the less you feel like you've got to say who you are. When our daughter Joy got married and, and we were putting out her wedding invitations uh, and they were asking, what do you want to do? And I caught so much grief for trying to honor my mom. My mom was a very formal person. She liked things and, and she had already uh, died. And so we thought, hey, let's just honor my mom and we'll use my formal title. So the wedding invitation said, Reverend and Mrs. Jeffrey Chandler. Man, did I catch grief from this church. Reverend? Reverend? You know, and I'm uncomfortable with that because you remember Jesus said, who is good but God? I'm thinking, man, forget good. You're, you're reverend? But we thought, hey, just for the, for the etiquette side of it, for my mom's side of it, we'll do it. We don't, I don't need to do that here. I don't need to get up and say, hey, here's my background, here's my degrees, here's how long I've been doing that, because we know each other, and because we're safe with each other. We can just say, hey, here's our brother Cyprian. We'd have to give you, he's got a, he, do you know Cyprian has a master's degree? I learned that when you gave your testimony, brother. We, we don't ever have to say that, because he and Eve are just that to us. The closer you are and the safer you are in relationship, the less you have to do that. And so it gives you a feel for the, what the relationship is here. Everything starts with a relationship, and this is a, this is a good and, and it's a safe relationship. It lets you kind of know what the tone is going to be. If I come in and I say, hey, I'm the pastor of this church, you know, the probably something good is not following that, <laughs> you know. So Paul just comes in and says, hey, it's me, Silas, and Timothy, and we, just, we have something on our hearts to say to you. Everything starts with that kind of safe relationship from on their side and then this relationship of who we are to each other, who they are to each other. It's a letter that's written to a church. Sometimes I feel like we, we lose the sense of that, that I'm going to read the fifth, first Thessalonians for my quiet time. God, what do you have to say to me? And that's important. It's really important to realize he's speaking these letters to churches, to us all. And we've got to read them with a sense of, okay, how do we all do this together? So as we go through the letter, it's that saying, hey, now that we are back together, how do we do this together? Or the fact that some of you, some of you have to watch at home, how do you do this together when we can't be together? I mean, we've, we've learned over these weeks what church can be. The church doesn't have to be together. We've always said that, but we were kind of forced into that. That in some weird way, we were able to connect more deeply than we do sometimes in the cafe. You know, that, that there, there was a church that has in its, in its mission statement that we want to be empowered by prayer that did more praying together when we couldn't be together. That's just, that's just the sense that God's called us here. He's called us as a church. He's speaking to a church, and there's this, there's this uh, connection that we have. Even though it was dangerous for them to be together, you saw that uh, when we, we were coming through, and he said, even though you know, there was trouble there, over in chapter 3, in verse 4, he says, For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. So there's an element of danger in their being together. So there's still some parallels for us, and, and yet they were still going together. They, 
they made it, they were an assembly. That's what that word church means. You've heard that if you've been in if you've been in Jesus for a while, you've heard that the word for church just means an assembly. They would use it as just a gathering of people. And then as the New Testament letters went out and as the teaching went on, it just became more formal. It became this group of people who assembled together, who understood that God had gathered them together for his purpose, that he had found them, he had saved them, he had connected them, and now he had sent them out. That's what it meant to be a church. That's what it meant to be assembled, that we had that shared experience if you're part of the Cottage Hill family, it means you've had, we've had this shared experience with Jesus through his salvation. And we've come to this thing that we knew we didn't deserve salvation and into this relationship that we would have never had before. Our life circles would have never touched, most likely, without Jesus. And yet here we are, assembled by him for a purpose that's his, so that, so that we, can, we can hear from him in, the, in, in those ways. So, when you assess, how did I do over these weeks? You can't say, well, it's tough because my whole life was in upheaval because so was theirs. And you can't say that because my whole life was in upheaval. That's usually what God does before he's ready to do something new. You know, I got to smash this before I can start it. And isn't that what a, what a potter will do sometimes? He doesn't really like what's going on, so he just flattens it and starts over and does what he wants, which is God's right? I mean, he'll even use that illustration, won't he? Doesn't the potter have the right to tell the clay what he's going to do with it? And so that sense where he, there's been upheaval that he brought, now he gets to redefine what this is. Important time to be praying for the church, huh? God, how do we do church now? What do you want us to do as a church? We've had some, some pretty cool opportunities to minister into nursing homes through, through hand lotion and masks. You know, the notes we've gotten back have just been really powerful. Some of you have an opportunity to speak into nervous people's lives, you know, why it is that you have peace. So we've got to pray, okay, God, we're assembled together. Here we are. This is our relationship with each other. What do you want to do with that? Going forward, how do you want us to really maximize the opportunity that's, that's before us? So here we are. He starts this letter like he starts everything in relationship. For Paul, because he knows them, because he doesn't have to throw titles around, because he feels safe with them, he can be honest with them. Isn't that how relationships work? The people that you feel safest with, you feel closest with, you don't have to feel like you have to establish anything with them. They're the people you, can, you usually will find yourself saying, hey, can I tell you something? I mean, when someone says that to you, you know something's coming that's important, might be painful. But there's something about that relationship that says that. You know, I used to say to people, you know, hey, can I take my scalpel out? You know, in that sense that if there's that kind of relationship, then I, you feel a sense of being able to speak more deeply in. And that's what's going on, I think, in this letter. There's close relationships, so Paul's able to speak in, and they're able to hear that because of relationship. So, so here we are. So what does he say to them? Okay, everything comes from a relationship. What do you have to say to us? And so look what he says to them. Before he says anything else, he just says, hey, grace and peace to you. On the one hand, that was, pretty, that was a pretty normal way to start letters in the New Testament day. The Greeks would often start with grace. It was a word of more, they would interpret it more, use the word more rejoicing. Hey, rejoice, you know. Uh, Jeff and Cindy to, to Joy and Mark, hey, rejoice that's how we'd start our letter the jews would start with shalom they'd start their letters with that 
So it just kind of goes out there. So you read those words and you think, okay, so they must have been doing okay because he, said, he starts off with something positive. Maybe, maybe they're doing okay, but maybe they were doing terrible. Because one thing we got to grab onto is that that is God's message to us wherever we are. If this has been a terrible 10 weeks, his message to you is grace and peace. It's been a great 10 weeks. His message to you is grace and peace. Paul will say this in every one of his letters. He doesn't do stuff just to be polite. He's going to write to Corinth, that church that was suing each other and where people were, were sexually immoral and where they were divided and they were splintering. He says to them, grace and peace. You know, in every situation, that's where God starts with us. That's going to be huge for you to grab onto if you're going to be able to move on to, to what he has next for you. So are they, good? are they good? Are they messed up? Where are they? It doesn't matter where they are or, or what they're doing. It, the message to them is grace and peace. It's what God has to say and what he has to speak into us. See, it's, it, so when he starts it, it starts in the first part. You know, so, so many of us have been saved a long time. We know what grace is. But in this moment, I just need you to embrace grace for the way forward. I need you to embrace that no matter how I did my last 10 weeks, for some of us, no matter how you did your last 10 years, you need to embrace grace so that God can do in you what he wants to do next. Because if you embrace condemnation or if you embrace regret or if you embrace your inability or your brokenness or your woundedness or your resentfulness, if you embrace those things, you will never move forward from this place. And now if we, if we go back to the fact that we're a church you will, you will weigh us down, you know, because we are in this together. You know, that's not to say that, hey, so don't come in here with your brokenness. It's come in here with your brokenness, but be open about it so that we can see God walk you through healing into it. So, so he sends to us this word grace, this word that Paul's going to use over a hundred times in his letters, which gives you a sense of how important that was or how core it was to his message. He's going he's to do that. I saw this one person said, grace is a generous gift to a joyful recipient. I've never heard it put that way. Isn't it? Here's something that is just so generous, and the person on the other side is so happy to give it. You know, imagine if we, if we played Oprah on our first Sunday back, and we said, it's so great to see everybody, you're all getting new cars. That would be grace on both sides of that equation. Yep. I thought it was a great idea. It was the trustees that said no way so you can talk to them after yeah it comes to you this grace it comes to you at salvation a grace i think most of us most of us realized grace maybe without even knowing that's what it was that moment we realized i don't have to earn this when that light went on in your head whether you came out of a religious system where you had to do all these things to do right and weekly or whatever that was, whether it was Catholicism or Islam or Hinduism, whatever it was, you came out of, you had to do all these things or just, you know, I came out of just liberal Protestantism, just give it your best, you know. But that moment when you realized, I don't have to earn this, that's that moment that grace came into your life. Some of you knew that was grace and some of you had no idea what it was but it was good. Boy, that, that burden fell off, like the psalm says, or the song says, or that, that heavy weight that you're trying to get to live under, that was gone. You just met grace. 
and it, it welcomed you into salvation. It started your journey. Grace is this thing that we live in now. Every moment, a sinning moment, an obedient moment, you are living in the state of grace with, with God. Look at look how he puts it in, in Romans 5. He says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And through him, we have gained access into this faith by faith. I've memorized it in another version, so that's what always throws me off. Yeah. Through him, we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. In this grace in which we now stand. Every day, no matter how well you're doing, how poorly you're doing, you are standing in the land of grace. You know? So you're receiving things that you don't deserve. I mean, which is the heart of grace, isn't it? You're receiving what you don't deserve, what you could never earn and, and what, you'd, what you'd never deserve. We were talking the other day in a conversation somewhere, I think it was in one of the Zoom prayer meetings, and we were talking about that, that you know, people will talk about what they deserve from God. And I remember hearing a video with R.C. Sproul saying, the one thing you don't want to ask God is to give you what you deserve. You know, he's given us this, this, ama- this amazing grace. Or in, in, another, in another scripture, in Revelation, so you think Revelation, you think of the amazing judgments of God that's going to come on the whole world. But look at the beginning of Revelation. It says, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Here's this book that's going to unleash global panic. I mean, that was one of the things I thought of early, in the early weeks of this, of this pandemic, that if the whole world is this panicked at something that has a pretty low death rate, what are they going to do in Revelation where it says, in a third of the earth? So here you're at the beginning of that book. And, and what is God's word? Grace and peace. Because it's what we live in. It's, it will, will constantly describe our, our relationship with God or let me give you one, one verse in Ephesians 1, 3. This verse that it would be great for you to memorize, to know, what is God's heart for me? Can I do this? Do I have what it takes? Because in grace, God gives you everything that he has. You know, and so Ephesians 1, 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That because of grace, he doesn't just save you. He just rolls out everything he has for you. Is this a really heavy moment in your, in your life? Is this a really heavy season in your life? He's got grace for that. You know, we found out uh, yesterday that, you know, Cindy B's husband, Ron's mom, passed away, you know, and she, that'd been a pretty regular prayer over these weeks in the Zoom prayer meetings for his mom, who's in a nursing home in, in Wisconsin, would not get the virus. And, and then yesterday, he just passed away in her sleep. He said, no virus, just, you know, hopefully God said, come home. So here, Ron, in the midst of all of this, in his own health concerns, he has this, but God has given him every spiritual blessing he needs for this. You know, when we move forward and go through this book, and as I've been speaking over the last couple of weeks, when God puts something on your heart that he wants you to do for him, a, a new ministry, or get involved in some way, he's giving you everything you need for that. That's grace. It's not just You've got this trial going on and he's going to get you through that. My grace is sufficient for you. It is that. 
but grace is so, so much more. And so however you're coming out of the 10 weeks, he's got this, this grace for you, this, this grace of what he did in you, he, his grace that he gave you a new heart and that he's given, he's given you, you know, this relationship with him in which there's no condemnation. It's grace that makes that possible. That no matter what you do, he's not going to condemn you. He, he's not going to cast you aside because that's not what grace does. It's a great motivator because that's where we all wrestle, isn't it? I mean, it was, the, it was the issue in Romans and Paul's writing that. If you tell people that God is going to deal with them in grace no matter what they do, come on, use your head. People are going to go out there and, and use, that, you know, use that grace credit card. But grace is this incredible motivator, really, that you mean no matter if I try and fail, he's got grace for me? Yeah, he's got grace for you. You mean no matter, no matter how things unravel, there's grace for me? There's grace for you. It's an incredible motivator that grace is always there ready to pick you up and move you forward. And so he starts out to them in their hard situation. I wondered how you were doing. Before I say anything else, I just want you to know you are living in grace. And not only are you living in grace, but you're living in, in peace. And so he just comes over with, with that other word. This word that the, you know, the, the Jews would use of shalom that was so different than the word we use. You know, one commentary, one guy said, we think of peace negatively. We think of peace as the absence of war. You know, they understood shalom to mean something far broader, that your life was just in a good place. Your whole life was whole. That's what peace meant to them. And that's what, that's what Paul is, is speaking into the Thessalonians and, and what carries over to us. Someone said that in one place, they said peace was unruffled quietness. Boy, that is like the opposite of words we've been hearing or maybe living in over these last weeks. You know, pandemic just sounds a little bit too much like panic. It's got panic at the front end of that word, you know, and that seems to be what so many people were doing. Oh my goodness, you go the wrong way in the grocery aisle, you know, <laughs> it's, you know, and who does that? I mean, I want to know how many of you are so locked in, you're type A, you're OCD, you make sure you're going down the right aisle. All right, who are you? Oh. Andy, did you raise your hand? Oh my goodness. So we've got this store by us, Fresh Acres. So you go into Fresh Acres, it's got the big vegetable section, so no, no lines. Then you go in, it's got like the meat counter and the prepared food counter and then the kind of bread free-for-all, no line. And then you get the aisles. How are you supposed to know where you're supposed to go? You're coming into the middle, you really are, which seems kind of unfair. You, kinda, you come to the first aisle and there you are, the middle of the bread. So I don't need bread, I'm going this way. So the first thing, first aisle should go that way. But I need bread, so I'm going this way. So the first aisle should go this way. So how many, are we, how many of you are with me? The only way you know what way the aisle's supposed to go is when you see somebody coming the other way and you realize. <laughs> so, all right, let's, if, since we're on this roll, how many of you have backed out of an aisle? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, my brothers and sisters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, unruffled quietness. That's what God has given to us for for whether we're in the grocery store or whether you've got the death of, of someone, whatever that is, whether your job is 
you know, uncertain, or your finances are uncertain, or your relationships are uncertain, unruffled quietness. That's what he can give us, you know. And we, should, we shouldn't even say that's what he can give us. That's what he has given to us. It's us to step into. You know, if you marry what I'm sharing with what Pastor Ted shared, you know, if you continue in that, that's what's flowing out to you, that grace and that peace so that you can be free to step into what God has ahead for you. Before he says anything else to them, he just says grace and peace. You know, some of you, you know, we fall into this thing where we realize, man, I, I didn't read any of those books, God, that I brought home, and I thought I'd, I thought I'd pray more, you know, on my own. And so I'm, I'm sorry, it was just that this came up. We start explaining or apologizing, and God is just saying to us, peace, this peace, and let's move on well so that we can, we can do that. It's hard for us because we have no other relationship like that. You know, we're in our, in our relationship. We have a pretty healthy relationship. But the words, how come? Those are pretty common. <laughs> hey, how come? This is whatever it is. And, you know, and then sometimes it's not so peaceful. It's not that it gets terrible. It's just, well, why did you do that? Or why didn't we do this? Or why? It goes in that. With God, you can just speak peace to that, quiet it down, and enable you to move forward. Some of you... You know, some of you that God had maybe used these 10 weeks to stir up issues that he wanted to deal with and resolve and heal, you just couldn't allow that peace to come in so that he could do that. Really interesting how the timing went that our, my class ended and before we could really sit down and start working with anybody, we all, we, none of us could get together. It's just those things. Remember Jesus would say in a couple situations, he'd say to people, go in peace. Just go and live in the land of peace because that's, that's what he's given to us. Yeah. We don't know how the Thessalonians were yet. We're just in verse 1. But we don't have to know how they were to know that what God had for them was grace and peace. We don't have to be out in the parking lot yet to hear how your 10 weeks were to tell you what God has for you because we know no matter how those 10 weeks were for you, his word to you is grace and peace. And if you can embrace that, then he can resolve the 10 weeks and, and you can move forward. If you can embrace that it's hard for you, it's grace, and, and the land that you live in is grace, well, he, he's going he's to have to do something with my 10 weeks because I didn't do it well. No, he's already done that in the cross. He just wants you to receive grace and go forward. Yeah, but I feel terrible. He's trying to speak peace to you so that you can just go forward if you can receive that. That's important. It's important to take into the, into the new normal, you know, to, as you look over your, those 10 weeks, that you look at that the way God looks at it and, and that you allow that just to deepen. So I was thinking of it in this way, when, when he says grace and peace to us, it's like grace is this ocean and, and peace is the boat that we sit in on top of this ocean. And the church, church is all the friends you're on the boat with. So let me pray. Father, thank you so much that we get to be in the room. And thank you that you've just reinforced to us over these 10 weeks that it's not the building that makes the church. And thanks for the ways that we've been able to be church without the building. Thanks for the connection we feel to those even who are watching us out on Facebook Live now, God. We just want to put ourselves before you. There's, there's some of us, that God, that 
have such a difficult time receiving grace and peace. Those two words that are so powerful and so intentional in every one of your letters. And so I just pray over them that your spirit would just break through whatever the walls are that they're putting up. That sense of unworthiness that, that grace just takes on, we are unworthy. But that doesn't stop you. It hasn't stopped you. And then I, I pray over those of us, Lord, that we know about grace and somehow it just relaxes us instead of motivating us. We want to experience those in exactly the right way that you're giving them to us so that we can experience you in exactly the right way you want to be experienced and we can be used by you exactly the way you want to, you want to use us. So here we are, Lord. Thank you for grace and peace that have come into our lives. Would you use us so that others can experience that in this week? Give ourselves to you to that end and to the glory of Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, we're glad you're, you've been with us. If you've been on Facebook, we hope things went well and you're still watching. There's, face, there's a Zoom conference, a Zoom fellowship for you. If you're a part of the church family, you got an email about that this morning. And hey, for those of us who are in the room, hey, we're glad you're here. Now we just want to encourage you to get outside one of our exits and uh, hang around and, and get to know people. Some people may not recognize because of a mask, so get to know who they are and have a great week serving the Lord.